It's in Canada's Got Time here on The Breakfast Show. Before we get into our Bible study, we have some text messages to get through mm-hmm. here somewhere or other. We have the 300-point clue for our quiz, and we also have... The 400-point clue for the quiz. That's That's right. right. The 400-point clue for the quiz. Um, We also have an announcement to make, and that is that I know you are waiting for the interview with uh, Senator Michaelia Cash, who is the Attorney General for Australia, Mm. uh, this morning, and we had uh, Eliza Southwell filling in instead. The reason for that is because she has had to reschedule, and we will bring you that interview on Monday morning. That's going to be a one-off special. It's going to include the uh, Pastor Michael Worker, who is the Public Relations and uh, Religious Liberty Director for the Adventist Church in Australia. So that's um, going to be taking place on Monday morning. Do tune in for that. And, of course, you will have noticed that from time to time over the last couple of weeks, we've had producer producer Meg in the studio. And we're all used to producer Shell, but from time to time, producer Meg has been coming in, and we thought you might like to get to know producer Meg a little bit. And so she's jumped on the third microphone for the Bible study this morning. So, producer Meg. Hello. Welcome to the studio. It's good to be here. It's, it's <laughs> so, it feels more nerve-wracking than being behind the computer. <laughs> <laughs> Believe me, it would be infinitely more nerve-wracking for me to be behind the computer. I think Lawson can do both. He's uh, he's he's multilingual on on uh, this front, but um, don't ever put me in front of that computer. Yeah, I'm a dinosaur. Oh, but we're stoked to have Maggie in the studio talking with us because she's a gun. Absolutely, we go, we go to church together. She does awesome work. Yes, it's, it's it's great. Do I? But yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dude, wake, come on, wake up, be confident. All right, let's go to where did my where did my texts go? Uh, here we go, here we go, here we go, here we go. Scrolling, I find up the start of these now. Uh, <laughs> where are we? In rainy days like these, especially nights, my thoughts go to the homeless. Mm. Have you ever considered what we would do if we were them? All I can do is pray for them. Let's count our blessings. And of course, you know, I I, I get the point that we that's you know, all that we can all that we can do as we are laying in bed thinking of them. But you know, there's opportunities to support the various charities that um, work with the homeless as well. Definitely. And uh, so, yeah, if uh, you know, Adra is a fantastic. Uh, uh, one to support, and there are others like that. But this is a really good text. I'm so glad that somebody's thinking of this on a day like today because here in the Newcastle-Hunter region, it is just stormy and rainy, and down in Sydney, they are predicting floods, and, yeah, it's it'd be rough mm. if you were living rough right now. Uh, on the... Uh, Norwegian autonomous ship, amazing new technology. Normally, sixty percent of costs is wages. That's a huge savings. <laughs> yeah, probably a whole bunch of people out of work because of it. But anyway, um, tires. I think they make all types of tires with different hard, soft tread depending on yep for what roads you travel. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, saints on, on the on the new saints. Saints are actually used by the church to continue salvation by works beliefs. Oof. While they may have done great achievements for humanity. Or the church, the Catholics makes make saints become mini saviors and gods, or slash gods, who Catholics pray to and totally remove Jesus, his sacrifice and his heavenly ministry. There are mm. seven thousand saints throughout history that have been canonized, um, and Pope Francis has canonized eight hundred and ninety nine. That is a lot. That's huge. Is that like 
How long? I did Pope, not know that. Pope Francis has been in there for what eight, ten years now. Yeah, years? since twenty thirteen. Okay. Yeah, that's so man, he's like, just like pumping them out. Anyway, next text text message says, and by the way, in case you're wondering, biblically, a saint is anyone who's given their life to Jesus Christ. Yeah. Saint Magantha yep. in the studio with us today, and Saint Saint Magantha, Saint Chell, Saint Lawson, Saint Lyle, because we have given our lives to Jesus Christ, and that's what the Bible means when it talks about the saints. Mm. You don't have to go through a canonization process, and you don't need some, you know, guy on the other side of the world to say, "Yep, you you you're in now." Mm. No, we don't need that. You just need God. Indeed. Okay, happy Thanksgiving to all our American friends. When you consider it's all about Thanksgiving to God for his blessings, mm. we can't beat that. Wow. It is a fantastic holiday. We need to have our Australian version of it. And if you don't have an Australian version, just make it up. Do like I do and borrow the American one. <laughs> but do it on Sunday because it's your day off. That's right, absolutely. Because <laughs> no, one's gonna give, well, no one's going to give you a public holiday no. to take Thanksgiving. <laughs> yes. Okay, Governor Macquarie, very impressive person, surely a man for his time. Maybe he should have been born today. We could use a leader like him. Imagine 70% of the pubs closed. Uh, that alone would save society so much mm. pain. A true Christian, God knew what he was doing. Also, a marriage made in heaven. Very interesting interview. Thanks. And uh, yes, indeed, very much so. Okay. Uh, we need to get into our Bible study. Those are our text messages. That's what you've been talking about over the last hour. And as we go into our Bible study, just want to encourage you, um, keep sending your message, messages through. We'd love to hear from you guys. We'd love to hear your thoughts and your contributions to the Bible study. Sometimes our text messages, often I should say our text messages, have the best thoughts on the Bible study for the day. Mm. All right, so we're going to go to Matthew chapter 3, and we're going to be looking at the ministry of Jesus, which, of course, was kicked off by John the Baptist. And producer Meg, can you read for us, uh, let me see here, the first two verses. Of John chapter, Matthew chapter 3? Yes, that's correct. In those days, John the Baptist came to the Judean wilderness and began preaching. His message was, repent of your sins and turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Mm. Okay, so John the Baptist comes and he's got a very simple message. I love the way the Bible puts this. Mm -hmm. It doesn't do a detailed breakdown of the of his sermons. It just basically summarizes his sermon in what one verse. Mm -hmm. Meg, what is the summarization of John's message? Repent of your sins and turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Okay, so this this actually reveals something about John the Baptist. He's an excellent preacher. Yeah, because he preaches short sermons. <laughs> every good preacher's every good sermon can be reduced to one sentence. That's that's true. So when you're writing a sermon, so Meg, next time you preach, um, I'm preaching you... tomorrow. Actually. Oh, really? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Fantastic stuff. Okay, get so, the tips. Yeah. All right, so let's have some details then. When and where? It's on Zoom. It's on Zoom, yes. So mm. for anyone that wants to know the Zoom link, I don't know what it is. but <laughs> Is this an ASOC Zoom link? or a, um, This is a Newcastle Multicultural. Newcastle Multicultural Zoom link. All right, so mm. uh, go Googling for that. and uh, Or just... just mm, Probably yeah. Facebooking. Facebook. Yeah. Jump on the Facebook. There's, there's a page, right? Newcastle yeah. Multicultural Church. Jump on the page and you'll yeah. find the link. Bam. There you go. Just there like that. Go. Awesome stuff. Okay, so here's your challenge. 
uh, Magantha, and that is to take your sermon and reduce it to just one sentence. And then what happens as you present that message, your whole focus is on, I have one thing to say. And, and, and you just focus everything on that one thing. Mm. Just, just, just point it all that one direction until you eventually get there and boom at the end. And that way, when people go home and have their haystacks, uh, all they have to do is remember one sentence and they've remembered the whole sermon. Awesome. Yeah. The John way. That's right. John the, the Baptist John way. way. Repent. Uh, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then what the Bible does, it goes on and it gives us some more detail mm. of how he actually says this. So right, this is your this is your master presenter right here, and he has only one thing to say. He has his his whole Bible study is reduced to just one sentence. But he doesn't just stand up, say that one one sentence, and sit back down. Mm. He builds a case around this sentence that he is speaking. And that case becomes, well, kind of confrontational as we go down through it. He's not somebody who holds back. When John gets going, he speaks the truth plainly and as it is. Mm. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. All right, so Meg, why don't you continue on here in uh, verse 3 for us, please. Verse 3. The prophet Isaiah was speaking about John when he said, He is a voice shouting in the wilderness. Prepare the way for the Lord's coming. Clear the road for him. Mm. Okay, so Isaiah makes this prophecy. And uh, what does it outline John's mission as? One who prepares the way for the Lord. Okay. And makes his paths straight. Mm. Uh, this is an interesting prophecy because it was something that it, it, it's something that they would be familiar with in the day, but we are not so familiar with in our day. Mm. We don't actually understand the you know everything, the customs of the time. So maybe a little bit of historical background to this verse would be useful. What used to happen is that when you that the, the king used to travel on official business. Mm. There was a whole team of road workers that went out in front of him. Mm. So you know when when uh, say for instance the president of the United States travels, you know they have Air Force One. Yes, right. And Air Force One, you know, big jumbo jet and his whole team. They get the whole jet ready and fueled up and you know stocked with food and whatever else needs to go into this particular uh, jumbo jet. And you know it's there's a whole bunch of work and he does his official travel in his um, jumbo jet. Mm-hmm. Um, I assume they have the same kind of thing in Australia. Um, Australia being a smaller company, we pro- probably just have a little Learjet or something. Or other. I really have no idea what our Prime Minister uses. <laughs> what does ScoMo get around in? We don't know. Probably a Cessna Citation. Or a helicopter. Yep. The US President has uh, three helicopters as well. But anyway, mm. um, so they have these, these, these jumbo jets. And, and the kind of equivalent to it was the road workers who would go out in front of the king and their job was to you know the roads would would be a bit damaged their ro- their job was to fill in every pothole take out every rock straighten out corners that didn't need to exist to make his journey as smooth as possible mm. because he would be typically tra- typically traveling you know say for instance in a chariot or um, some kind of cart maybe on horseback 
but their job was to smooth out the road, and they were the ones. You know, when you saw this, when you saw this particular team of road workers coming down the road, you knew that the king was coming. Mm. And John is that particular road worker. He is going down and he is smoothing the way. He is preparing the way for the Messiah to come. And so John is saying, look, when you see me, you know, the Bible saying when you see John, that is the message that is uh, going out and that is that you know, Jesus is coming back soon or coming soon, I should say, mm. the first time. All right, let's continue on here. Uh, where did we get up to? We read verse 3, verse 4, please, Meg. John's clothes were woven from coarse camel hair, and he wore a leather belt around his waist. For food, he ate locusts and wild honey. Ever eaten a locust? No. I've eaten lots of locusts. <sighs> yeah, it's the beans. Locusts right? are delicious. Particularly put a bit of sugar with They need sugar. They're a bit bitter without sugar. Meg's looking at me very worried right now. <laughs> what is going I on this here? This guy was vegetarian. <laughs> okay, for those of you unfamiliar with you know, what is the Bible talking about here? It's actually talking about the locust bean. Mm. Um, you would have a hard time living just on grasshoppers. Yeah. But living on locust beans, this is why the Bible mentions honey in association with it, because the locust bean can be a bit bitter. It can be sort of turn your mouth inside out, particularly if it's a little bit green. Mm. And uh, the locust bean is what we make carob from. We mostly call it the carob bean today. Mm. And so it's a big old long bean, grows on a tree. It's probably, oh, they can grow up to like 300 millimetres long. Oh, wow. Yeah, they're big beans, big beans. But they need some sweetening. They're a bit bitter, mm -hmm. which is why, you know, he had it with honey and these days you would have it with sugar. And they make, if nobody out there who's listening this morning, if you have never actually tried this, um, you can get carob, a, a type of carob, which is a substitute for chocolate. Mm -hmm. um, I prefer chocolate. Yeah, me too. But it's definitely worth eating. And some of the carob ones, like um, carob-covered carob sultanas and carob-covered peanuts um, and carob buds with date, um, date sweetening, mm -hmm. Just really super delicious. Really, really good. Have you ever tried carob? No, I haven't. Tried Never tried carob. We need to introduce you to no carob. You have not. You will look at it and you think, oh, chocolate. And then you put it in your mouth and you're like, that's not chocolate. <laughs> Okay. So wow, what is, an experience. This, this is the only reason this is the only reason that people actually don't like carob is because they think it's going to be chocolate and it doesn't <laughs> taste like chocolate. And it's not. And it's not because it looks just like chocolate. So here we've got John the Baptist living on uh, chocolate and honey. Mm. Nah, not that. He was not living quite. on And by the, the other interesting thing about the carob bean is that it's a whole food. Oh, okay. Yeah. There are very, very few foods in the world that can be classed as a whole food. That you can actually, you've got everything there that you need to live off. Mm. So rice, um, um, corn and potatoes are close. Carob beans, um, soybeans are all whole foods. And so it makes sense that yes, this is something definitely that you could. Uh, that you could, I'm sure it wasn't the only thing that he ate, but that was what he was known for eating. Okay, let's continue on uh, in verse five. Uh, where are we up to, Meg? Can you read yeah. for us verse 5, please? People from Jerusalem and from all of Judea and all over the Jordan Valley went out to see and hear John. And verse 6 as well. And when they confessed their sins, he baptized them in the Jordan River. Mm. Thank you. Okay, so he starts to preach, and he's preaching in the open air, 
And he gets quite a gathering. Yeah. And what does he start to do? Uh, well, he begins to baptize them in response to their confession. And this is probably the first mention we have in the Bible of baptism. So why would he be baptizing them? Where, where does this concept come from? Um, my mind goes back to the the first instance. I think there's a couple instances where it kind of alludes to, you know, like, for example, Elijah putting water on the rocks and, and whatnot. But I think it goes back to the the Red Sea, right? It does. When they parted the Red Sea and mm-hmm. the people parted, you know, went underneath and it was kind of, it was very literally them escaping uh, slavery and embracing God, but it became a symbol as well of, of people who have committed their lives to God and have embraced him. And also, as we read in, you know, the book of Romans, have kind of left behind sin and died to self. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so this was a, yeah, it was a practice that, you know, they had ritual cleansings that they used to do, um, particularly during the intertestamental period. And so within a lot of Jewish communities, you would have, you know, a large tank where you could go down into that water for ritual cleansing. Mm. And John is borrowing from that concept to uh, symbolize conversion. Yes. Becoming a new person. And, of course, yeah, we have that from uh, the crossing of the Red Sea. So what's interesting is that, uh, well, Rafi's just texted through with, um, can you be converted without repentance? Oof. No. (laughs) Repentance is a gift from God, the Holy Spirit, but we must choose to accept the gift or not. The same message is going out to the world today. The choice is the same. And I just want to diverge from there for a moment and comment on this because if we go over to Romans chapter 2, Romans chapter 2 and I believe verse 4, there's a great passage here because uh, as as, the the Bible points out, John's message was repent. Mm. So Romans chapter 2 and let's go to verse 4. Lawson, why don't you read that one for us? Yeah, sure. It says, And do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance, and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads to repentance? Okay, so what is it that leads to repentance? The goodness of God. Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay, so if the goodness of God is what is leading us to repentance, then we find that um, this is a gift. This is not something that we conjure up ourselves. Mm. This is something that takes place when we recognize just how good God is. Mm. Uh, this is if, we, if, if repentance was something that we conjured up of ourselves, repentance can become a work. And we're not saved by our own works. That's right. We're saved by the goodness of God leading us to repentance. Mm. I, I'd like to think, though, like what is it that's good about God that leads us to repentance? Like, like what? Okay, so it starts at the cross. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it starts there and, I mean, hey, Meg, what other, what other demonstrations do we have of the goodness of God? Every day. <laughs> Every day. Yeah, that we have food and a house, mm. roof over our head. So many of the blessings yeah. that we have today. The fact that we're breathing, you know, without God in our lives, that wouldn't be happening. Okay, so it is the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. Repentance is a gift that comes from God. And if we feel that we are not repentant, just pray to God and he will give to you the gift of repentance. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. (laughs) Let's go to Matthew chapter 3 again. I don't think we finished this passage, did we? Did we get all the way up to... uh... Verse 8, I'm not sure that we did. Matthew chapter 3 and 
We got up to verse 7. Yeah. We need to read verse 7 and 8. Oh, we didn't read verse 8. We're supposed to read verse 8. Meg, why don't you read for us verse 8? Just 8. Just 8. Yep. It says, Prove by the way you live that you have repented of your sins and turned to God. That is very long compared to what I've got written down in my Bible. My Bible just says, Therefore, bear fruits worthy of repentance. Mine says, Bring forth therefore fruits, meet for repentance. Mm Mm-hmm. Or suitable for repentance, or ah. appropriate for it. Yeah, mm-hmm. reflective of repentance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So when we look at, uh, you know, it's it's a, it's a it's a pretty short verse right here, one of the shorter verses in the Bible, but it is a verse that demonstrates that there is a relationship between repentance is a gift, mm. but there's a relationship between repentance and works. Mm. Because if a person truly repents, the Bible speaks about two different kinds of repentance. The Bible speaks of repentance to life, and the Bible speaks about repentance to death. Mm. So there's two kinds of repentance, and we want to have the repentance that is repentance to life, not the one that is repentance to death. Because the repentance to death is just works. Mm. Whereas repentance to life is where the goodness of God draws you to God and having been drawn to God, then your response to that is that you do good works. Mm. You know, so many people get all bent out of shape over works and, you know, Christians do this and they do that and they do the other and, you know, the Bible says do this or whatever it might be. And works are not the problem. Works are never the problem. Mm. The problem is always why you do the works that you do. That is where yes. the problem is. So yeah, it's a uh it's 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 a it's a really important point that the that the Bible brings out here. And and basically what John is saying is this he says if you're truly repentant, then you're going to live like a repentant person. You you those works are going to be seen. But if those works are not in your life, then you're not truly repentant. You've just come and said, uh, oh yes, please forgive me, thank you, and moved on. Mm. And sometimes I think that we have the danger of treating God like this ourselves. We treat God like he's handing out indulgences. Mm. We treat God like you know going to auricular confession where it's like we can sit down beforehand. It's like, yeah, I'm going to go and do such and such a sin and afterwards I will go and get forgiveness and all will be well. That's, that's not repentance. Repentance is sorrow for sin and when you are sorry for something, you don't want to go back there again. Mm. And that's where conversion comes in because conversion means that you're a new person. Okay, so this is John's message when Jesus is about to come back. It's all about turn and repent. And we've been talking about the book of Deuteronomy uh, over the last few months. The message that we've been looking at in the book of Deuteronomy this week has all been about, you know, if my people, if you as my people turn to idols and you end up in captivity as a result of that, then turn to me. Mm. If you turn your hearts, and, and repentance, turning is the, is the same kind of word. If you turn back towards me, I will hear you. I will heal you. I will restore you. God's giving us all of these promises if we turn back and repent. All right, let me see what Bruce has to say right here. Well, Chris has to say this, the honey locust bean was also known as St. John's bread. It's a legume. (laughs) There you go. Bruce says, when ripe, 
The Caribbean bean is very sweet. Maybe John was eating them out of season, so added honey. Yeah, it's true, you know. Mm. It's true. I've, I've eaten them out of season and, oh, you need to add some honey to it. <laughs> and so maybe he was kind of eating them all year long and some of them were a bit better. Yeah, you've, if you get – and this is the difference between uh, carob and chocolate. Chocolate is always super bitter. Yes. You have to add a lot of sugar to chocolate to make it sweet. If you get a ripe locust bean, it's always going to be sweet. Sweet. Mm. But if you get one that's slightly less than ripe, whew, add some sugar to that because mm. you'll struggle if you don't. Uh, Rafi says, Judas repented to death. Ooh. He repented and then hanged himself. That's such a good point because it says like specifically like he was sorrowful. Yes. For what he had done. But that led him to, yeah, end his own life. It reminds me of the first two kings of Israel. Mm. Okay, King Saul, did he do some bad things? Yes. King David, did he do some bad things? Yes. What did King David do that stands out as a bad thing that King David did? Uh, he, like, like, took a woman out of wedlock. Like, he raped Bathsheba and murdered her husband. Yeah. This is pretty bad. Uh-huh. What did King Saul do that was a bad thing? He counted people. Yes. And he also spared the life of the Amalekite king Agag. Mm-hmm. And he he also spared a lot of their um, cattle and sheep so that he could use them as sacrifices in the temple. Mm. You could use them for worship. Uh-huh. Who did the worst things? Um, well, Saul, Saul also, like, threw a spear at <laughs> David. Okay, David, so did, so did a bunch of stuff, but so did David, you know, because yeah, if you yeah, go down yeah, through yeah, David's yeah. life, you want to start comparing the two, and I would put it to you that David did worse things than Saul. Mm. Now, Saul went, eventually went to the Witch of Endor, and David never did that. Mm. Both of them repented. You know, in the whole story of, of Agag and the Amalekites, uh, you know, Samuel comes to him and confronts him. He's like, oh, no, 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 not me, not me. The people did that. And Samuel's like, no, you're the king. It was you that did that. Mm. He's like, no, 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 not really. You know, they, they wanted to use these for sacrifices. This is a really pious thing. That's why we've, why we've kept all of these uh, sheep and cattle. And, uh, and, and, and spared Agag. Mm. And Samuel turns around and says, okay, because you've been rebellious against God, God's taken the kingdom from you. Mm. He's like, oh, I've, I've, I've sinned, I've sinned. And he repents. The flip side is when Nathan the prophet comes to Daniel and confronts, not Daniel, David, and confronts David with his sin and says, David, you're a sinner. He doesn't make excuses. He doesn't blame anyone else. He says, I have sinned. Mm. Instant repentance. Not because of the consequences, but because of his love for God. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. So, that means it's now time for Question of the Day. All right, Lyle, our question of the day is, can you explain the origins of the Trinity? I thought it was the origins of the unholy trinity. Yeah, that's right. Okay, <laughs> so you want to talk about either. the holy trinity or the unholy trinity? Uh, I'm happy to talk about either. Uh, both, I guess? Okay, so um, let's talk about the origins of the unholy trinity because this is the one that uh, the question is actually specifically asking about. Mm. Okay, so if you go back and you look at pagan gods, you're going to find that amongst the pagan gods, 
I could. I wish I could spend more time on this. I can think of at least thirty-one different pagan triune gods that existed in the ancient past. Mm-hmm. And so the question that arises is this: Why? You know, why is it that the pagans would worship a triune god, three gods, a unity of three in some form or another? There are very, very many different variations of that. Okay, and, and, and along with that, there are a bunch of other questions that come to my mind. Why would they worship also, you know, universally in the ancient world, you're going to find, you know, on every continent, you're going to find the worship of the serpent, the snake. Why is that so universal? Mm. Where did they get that idea from? Here's another question that comes into my mind. Why is it almost universal that that snake has wings? I mean, if you're going to put wings on any creature, surely the snake would be the last thing to put wings on, but you find that the snake, when it's worshipped, has wings. Where would you get that idea from? There are other things like animal sacrifice. You find animal sacrifice in the pagan religions of the past. Where did, where did, where did they think? How did they stop and think like, oh, I'm going to sacrifice an animal and that's going to be good for me? Mm. Had they come up with that concept? You know, I was listening to uh, Jordan Peterson trying to philosophize how this may have begun, you know, in the ancient past at some particular point. Well, I know how it began. Um, you know, where did they get a seven-day week from and a day of worship, a specific day of worship? Where did that idea come from? Why did they choose the day of the sun, the first day of the week, as their day of worship? Where did they get the flood story and a creation myth from? You know, we could go on and on down through all of these questions, and the answer is very simple. When human beings decided to create their own religion in opposition to the religion of God, they used the religion of God as the basis for what they created. And so they basically created a counterfeit. And so, for instance, when they worshipped the serpent with wings, um, we all know that the serpent was Satan Mm. and that he was an angel, so he has wings. And so they created a serpent with wings and worshipped that because they're like, well, we're moving away from God. We'll go to the next most powerful being in the universe and we'll go with Satan. Mm. Okay, so this is where those ideas are coming from. They are taking them from the worship of God and copying them and adapting them. And it's like, okay, you, you worshippers of God have your version of this. Well, guess what? We have our version as well. And they created their own. And so if you go back to the book of Genesis, you're going to find all of the things that I've just listed right there in the first four chapters of the book of Genesis. And we've read this, you know, I've had quite a few questions on this particular subject, so we've read these verses before. In verse 26, or sorry, in verse 1, the Bible says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved on the face of the waters. And then verse 26, And God said, Let us make man in our image. So the Bible introduces you God and the Holy Spirit in the first two verses, and then it goes on and says, let us make human beings in our image. God is obviously plural. And, of course, then you go to Colossians chapter 1, where the Bible says that Jesus made everything and there was nothing that was made before Jesus. In fact, I'm going to read that verse because there's a really important part of that verse that is going to contrast with the pagan trinities so that you can identify immediately where the unholy trinities exist today. So uh, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, 
Colossians, here it comes. Here we go. Here we go. The Bible says it was the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. For by him were all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they are thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and by him all things consist. All right, I'm going to need a little bit of extra time on this question because this is a really important one. So, um, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna borrow a bit of extra time. We might just mm. go straight through to the gift and ending yet. We'll see how we go. <laughs> um, all right. So when you think about this for a moment, the Bible says that Jesus is before all things. Mm-hmm. Therefore, he cannot have an origin, right? Yeah. Because if he has an origin, then the Father existed before him. Mm-hmm. Okay. Here's what all pagan unholy trinities do. You will have. Uh, a, 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 a father figure like God the Father, you will have a figure somewhat resembling the Spirit, and then you will have their child that they create. And that child is created by being a recipient of life from the other two. In other words, you'll have you know um, you, you will have a God who unites with the Spirit. And they create a child. And so if you're looking for an unholy trinity today, this is the key identifying mark that you need to look for. Anything that teaches that Jesus at any point received life, he is a recipient of life from the Father, Mm. that is directly out of paganism. That is an unholy trinity because all... All unholy pagan trinities had that concept in common. The Bible teaches that Jesus has always existed, that he is eternal, that there has never been a time when Jesus did not exist, that he has always been our intercessor. Okay, so if you want to identify the unholy trinity, that is the easiest way to identify the unholy trinity today um, because the Bible is very clear that Jesus was before all things. Mm -hmm. Therefore, God the Father... God, the Holy Spirit, and Jesus are all equal together. And we've come to the end of the show. It's time to give something away. Mm-hmm. It's going to be entirely for free. You don't want to miss it. And before we do, just a quick reminder that Monday morning, we're going to bring you that interview with uh, the Attorney General, Senator Michaelia Cash, uh, in relationship to the anti uh, the Religious Anti-Discrimination Bill. So make sure that you tune in on Monday morning. Do not forget that that's going to be coming up. Of course, if you want to study the Bible and you'd like to be part of a small group, let us know. If you'd like to study one-on-one, let us know. If you'd like to study with Lawson, you're in the Newcastle yeah. area, call mm-hmm. in. Don't forget to talk faith, live faith, and act faith. You will grow strong in Jesus Christ. God be with you till we meet again. God be with you till we meet again. By his counsel's God of Sheep securely fold you. God be with you till we meet again. Until we meet again at Jesus' feet. God be with you till we meet again. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1 800 Faith FM.